Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. This episode's guest is Tobin Soudin, founder of Redbrick, a Victoria company making major waves in the online marketing and publishing fronts. Last year, Redbrick made a major acquisition of lead pages, and Tobin walks us through his thought process in making that decision, the power of leveraging debt, and what he's learned as a leader so far in his career. Our interview starts now. My name is Tobin Souden, and I'm the CEO and founder of Redbrick. Uh, Redbrick's just about 10 years old now, and, and we originally started as a marketing services business, but it's morphed now into a uh, portfolio of digital operating businesses uh, where we have um, four businesses and about 115 employees uh, across our headquarters, both in Victoria and Minneapolis. Oh, wow. Very impressive. Um, I wonder if, if you could start off and talk to us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. I kind of, I went through LinkedIn, saw that, you know, the brief notes, you know, you came out of UVic and looks like you became an entrepreneur almost immediately. Um, and, but if you could just kind of talk about maybe what shaped that uh, as you're growing up and, and how that's evolved. Yeah, no, I think the, uh, the, the journey started while I was in university. So I actually, uh, I did a co-op, uh, co-op, uh, placement out in Toronto at the nuclear power plant and, uh, and it was a really interesting uh, placement. Got to, to meet some some great great folks there. Uh, but you know, at any given time, thousands of people in that plant on site every day. Twenty thousand people in the organization. Uh, and I left feeling that maybe you know that size of a business was just a little bit too big uh, for me to belong in. And so when I came back to Victoria, I actually did uh, my next co-op in a, in a in a much smaller organization uh, in Oak Bay. It was a little little tech startup. Um, and, and from there got the bug, uh, got the bug for startups and, and entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurialism. And, uh, and then, and then as I was kind of finishing up my degree, I actually started a little marketing business out of my, out of my dorm room, um, that grew rather quickly. And by the time I, I graduated and, and finished my degree in computer science, uh, I, I saw, I had sold the business to a local, uh, marketing firm. Awesome, man. And then you, did you start this, the, the second company that's listed there or is that, I want, when did you go and work for somebody else? Uh, so, so yeah, so the, the, the company that I started, uh, Red Willow was sold to a, a private company in Victoria called Never Blue, Never Blue being a performance marketing company. Yeah. And, uh, and so at Never Blue, um, I, I, I joined uh, the executive team and led their internal, internal marketing group where we started uh, the really the mobile division for Never Blue and grew that to about a thirty million dollar a year business. Um, and by that time, my my earnout on the on the sale was complete, and I I moved on to uh, to go start found found Redbrick. Okay, that's awesome. And can you just flesh out? You mentioned there's four different companies. I saw Assembly, Lead Pages, and a couple others. Can you just give you a brief overview of each of those brands and maybe how uh, how that happened? Did you acquire them or did you start them all yourself? Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good, uh, good question. We, we originally started uh, with, with, uh, with Rebase on the software uh, development side, moved on to uh, Assembly, uh, which is a digital publishing business. We have a portfolio of websites where we monetize with programmatic uh, ads. Um, and then we also built Shift, which is uh, a desktop browser for work, lets you move in between your, your Google and Microsoft accounts more seam- seamlessly. And then, uh, and then just over a year ago, we acquired our first major acquisition uh, was a company called Lead Pages based in, in Minneapolis. 
that is a platform for building landing pages and websites for, for marketers. Awesome. And so as you went through that process of looking at lead pages, can you just walk me through that approach? Like how you do, how are you evolving these opportunities? Um, or how did you, I may be starting there. How did you evaluate that specific opportunity? Yeah. Lead, lead pages was, was an interesting one. I think, I think, uh, you know, my background and expertise in marketing, uh, is what initially got, got me and us excited about lead pages because really it's, it's a, it's a software business that helps marketers. So it really felt close, uh, close to home and comfortable. Um, and then going from there, looking at the financial uh, performance, uh, analyzing all of the customer cohorts and predicting kind of where they would be in the future and our ability to, you know, to market the company and, and grow it, grow it from there, attract new customers to the business. Um, and, and seeing that that looked uh, fantastic as, as an opportunity. Uh, and then, um, you know, finally the team, you know, we, we really, uh, we really wanted to uh, acquire a business where, where you know, the team would obviously join and be, be part of our uh, red brick family and make sure that there was a good, strong culture fit. Uh, and so we, we, we spent some time in Minneapolis in the winter of 2019 now, which turns out is extremely cold. Uh, and, uh, and I think maybe, maybe is more average Canadian than, than, than Victoria is uh, from a weather perspective. So I had to totally over, overhaul my wardrobe. But uh, but fantastic people, really good uh, meetings, uh, so, so, some dinners and, and last and, and just was really clear that this was a group that we wanted to do uh, to do work with and, um, and so move forward on that basis and then yeah the journey through uh, the, 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 the financial ecosystem to go out and find the debt required uh, to do the lead pages deal was uh, was was really interesting, very complicated, uh, but I've come out of it with a new a new knowledge and understanding, um, which which is pretty pretty powerful. Yeah, can you flesh that out a bit? I don't know what you can or cannot say, but is it something where you had to source out the investment from from your network, or were you able to to partner with institutions to, to make that happen? I, don't, I again, I don't know what you can or can't say there, but yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm happy to share. Um, so. Redbrick being a bootstrap uh, company, it's really uh, just myself and uh, Marco Pimentel, the, the C CMO here, uh, and a couple of insider uh, shareholders that that own the business, and so it's been cash flow uh, positive from from the very beginning, and uh, it's it's on that basis that we can leverage that that cash flow uh, to raise uh, debt. So rather than bringing in additional investors from from private equity or growth equity or some other um, you know, family office or business that wanted to invest in Redbrick, you know, we didn't have to do that. We could go uh, to, to the big banks uh, in Canada and in North America and offer them the opportunity to, uh, to lend us the funds required to um, close the acquisition of lead pages. And um, we actually used a company out of Vancouver called Fort Capital. Uh, they've got a debt advisory service there that run this uh, process. Uh, really to help you find the best the best partner to work with, and um, that's when uh, we were able to uh, select BMO as our new corporate uh, banking uh, partner, and, and they came in and and, and helped us uh, close that deal. Awesome, I appreciate you sharing that. A question I had to to on the lead pages as well is it's a like landing page building is a fairly competitive space, especially and you've got you know unbounced right across the water, um, or I guess across the water from Victoria uh, in Vancouver you know, HubSpot, there's a lot of, of big competitors. How did you make that decision to, to, I mean, I guess, A, to acquire 
the business in a fairly competitive space? And then B, what is your mindset as you look up to look at growth, differentiation, those kinds of things? Yeah, I, so there, that, was a, that was an early concern um, that I had. And, uh, and the fact that Unbounce is so close to us here in Victoria uh, is, is, is funny. But um, on kind of greater inspection, it became obvious that we really don't compete uh, with a company like Unbounce. The, the customer persona uh, that we see on lead pages is more of a independent entrepreneur, you know, a, a, a smaller business. They might be a freelancer or a photographer, somebody that really wants to get online and look for uh, look for customers. We're not looking at you know really big businesses with full marketing teams uh, and huge budgets, which is more so like the the unbounced customer. So um, I think when you when you narrow in on um, the niche that uh, lead pages operates in lead pages is best breed as far as the the, the landing page uh, builder goes. Um, I I with I, I signed up and had a page uh, built and launched within seven minutes uh, when, when we were first looking at the uh, at, at the business and and at, you know it's kind of it funny that that I use that as as kind of you know uh, something that really got me excited about uh, the product uh, and the technology but it really just is uh, very easy to use. And, and when you think about the personas that I mentioned and the types of customers that we have, that's, it has to be easy. Um, and, uh, and so it's, so it's a great product. Um, and we were excited uh, uh, to grow it. And, and I think one of the things we identified too early was that they were using agencies based out of the um, kind of Minneapolis and uh, Minnesota uh, market. And uh, that being a core expertise uh, on our team, um, and at Redbrick, we felt like that we could pretty quickly uh, build up a growth team um, from kind of the people uh, that we knew that were in our network. And, and we did that within within 30 days of, of closing the deal. Awesome. Appreciate. Yeah. Just the, the clarification there. Um, the assembly business unit or, or division that you have, can you talk about kind of how that came came to be? It's obviously, I mean, I, there's some some selfish interest there just about, you know, looking at the future of, of digital publishing, but um, yeah, could could you flush that out? It's it's a very interesting business. It, uh, it, we we started in 2015, um, asking the question of with everything we know about marketing online, uh, what industry can we build technology inside of to enable growth through paid marketing? And uh, we looked at a number of different spaces. The one we isolated really quickly was publishing. There are um, a lot of legacy publishing businesses that still have yet to make that leap to online uh, and then get to scale. And so what, what we felt uh, was that there was an opportunity to build technology to help them do that. And, and in one of those ways is to create digital audiences through paid marketing. So the, the, the technology that we built really unlocked um, real-time reader value so when someone is on the website and they're viewing different ads, they're engaging with an email submit, they're looking at a video, um, all of these different events have values. And in real time, we sum that up and say, uh, this user is worth X or worth Y. And that allows us to go out and put an ad for um, you know, uh, an article that might be uh, you know, related to the tech ecosystem in British Columbia. And, uh, and, and when someone clicks on that article and comes in, uh, and, and, and reads, um, 
we can signal back to Google or Facebook or, or Bing and say, you know, that, that, that person generated more revenue than it cost us to bring them to the website. And then that kind of uh, cycles as, as the machine learning algorithms at, at Google and Facebook uh, take hold. And they go out and they find more people like that individual. Uh, and, and, and that's how we build audiences. So um, that's kind of the, the secret to the success of Assembly and, and being uh, actually British Columbia's fastest growing uh, company last year. Um, uh, and, and that team's really, really proud of what, you know, what they've built. Okay. That's tremendous. And so is it the technology behind it? Would that be an add on to something like the trade desk or a competitor to it? Like, like one of the, like the, the programmatic inventory management systems? That's a good question. It's, it's, it's not something that the trade desk um, necessarily would use. I think the, the, the end publisher is really um, who would want to use the technology. Uh, and, and so the, the technology spans, like I talked, I talked about the, um, you know, the piece that, that measures real-time revenue and session. Uh, that's, that's one that we call it Statera. Uh, and then we have another piece, which is our, our platform. So uh, everything that, that you see and experience when you're on one of our websites is all run off our platform. Um, and then uh, we also have a split testing system. So we can change what people see depending on the results of previous interactions. And then the fourth thing is our ad stack. So really earning um, you know, the maximum we can earn from the programmatic ecosystem. We don't have any direct advertisers. We have no sales team. Everything's done through, through open auction. So it's those, those four uh, systems and they're, you know, we kind of call ourselves accidental publishers because we really wanted to build a tech solution. Uh, but we, um, you know, we ended up also building the publishing side of the business. So I, I think, uh, you know, I, th I think there's a, there's, there, there's a future opportunity for us to uh, maybe make a slight pivot or add another side to the business, which would be licensing or, or, or services business where we could go to other publishers that may want to use this technology and sell, sell the software um, uh, to them. Oh, that's great. From what you've learned through this, I guess, this publishing journey or this accidental publishing, uh, the title that you've given it, is there, do you have any thoughts on kind of like what the future of, of media publishing looks like? I mean, I, what makes me, or what kind of brought this to mind is you see like the Capital Daily, for instance, in Victoria, which is, you know, blown up with this you know, massive newsletter, which I love you know, reading every morning. Have you, has it opened your eyes to kind of future opportunities or do you have some insights about what the future of, let's say, a local, um, or let's just say, online publishing looks like in the in the near future? Yeah, and I think we've looked. Uh, yeah, just to to be transparent, we've 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 actually bid on a couple of uh, traditional publishers, uh, Canadian publishers, that um, uh, we've unfortunately lost or or uh, or or have been outbid um on uh the, the the business there's a lot of work to do i think in in the older traditional publishing businesses to move them into digital it's a totally different way of of thinking uh than, than the old old version so i'd say there, there's there's a lot of work to do for for old uh traditional publishers to go into this new digital ecosystem uh for someone like a capital daily you know there's there's they're starting uh, you know, they're starting from the beginning. They're they're hiring up a team that thinks digital first. Um, I would say, you know, any struggles um, that they may have in the future would be more so, I think, maybe on the classic or traditional reporting side. 
uh, and I, and they're starting to build, build some muscle muscle there, but in, in the beginning, it was more so a summarization of what legacy publishing businesses were producing on a daily and weekly basis. And it was really just converting it to a digital um, uh, format that, that I think um, this new age of, of readers really wants to consume. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's still immense opportunity. There's a lots of different ways that it can be monetized, but you really do have to think the new way. You've got to be digital first, um, and uh, and it, and it's going to be hard, very hard, for some of these older uh, traditional publishing businesses to make that transition. Yeah, no, absolutely. We've gone through our own transition at the beginning of last year, because we you know we've been a print brand for thirty years, up until last year. So it's it's been quite an an exciting journey. Anything? Uh, just the the last question, kind of on Redbrick. Anything? coming up that you want to promote uh, or, or highlight that's coming up in the next three to six months for your brands there? I would, I would say that we are constantly recruiting. So um, always looking for, for great people to, to join uh, our teams, whether that's at one of our portfolio companies uh, or at, at the red brick uh, level. So at the red brick level, we have a set of shared services that include finance, HR and creative, so like designers, uh, as well as an executive team. And so we offer up those shared services to each one of our uh, portfolio companies. Um, and then each portfolio company, you know, they have a CEO and a leadership team, um, and they are just solely focused on their own business. So, uh, so we're, we're constantly recruiting. We're always looking for great people. Uh, you know, advantaged by the fact that we do have, uh, you know, a very large office in, in, in the, uh, the capital region here that hopefully one day will be full again, um, uh, even on a hybrid basis. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that that's probably the main thing is that uh, constantly looking for great people to join Red Brick and our companies. Awesome. Appreciate you sharing. It dovetails nicely into a little bit of a leadership management focus here. You know, you've started off early as an entrepreneur, um, and now you can, uh, you know, run a, a successful company. Do you have a couple of things that stick out to you? That let, I would call them like key leadership or management uh, lessons that you've learned. It could be through something that's gone really well or something that's gone really poorly, and you've kind of taken some good, uh, some lessons from that. Yeah, I've kind of. You know, think, thinking through the transition from starting a business and kind of being the only individual in the business, you know, what, what you've got going for you is, is you know, things like the de determination and grit that come, you know, from being an entrepreneur and, and kind of just working harder to get everything, uh, everything done. And, and, and you just don't have a lot of leverage in those early days. So, so trying to fight your way um, uh, past that stage and into when you can start hiring people. Uh, and building a team that that's when you get that next, I think, stage of, of leverage. And you're hiring people that not only can you get additional bandwidth from, because now you don't have to do as much um, of, uh, of what you're doing before, but you can also hire people that are far better and more, you know, and smarter than you uh, in, in the areas of their expertise. Um, so I think, uh, you know, knowing when to hire uh, to get into that next stage of, of leverage uh, and that there will always be an inherent risk. Uh, but if you're careful um, uh, with the hiring and the recruiting process, you will absolutely give, uh, get, get additional leverage. I think that that was something that I learned uh, at Neverblue when I um, hired my first 
employee there uh, and and realized um, the advantage and then uh, you know, having extra time in the day to think about how to, to, to grow to stop thinking, um, you know, uh, in the business and, and, you know, working, uh, on the business and, and, uh, and being able to think about, okay, well, what do I need to do to get to my next employee and how do I make this team bigger? And then I realized once I kind of dropped the tools and committed to no longer being an individual contributor, um, that's where I got maximum um, scale and leverage uh, from from recruiting great people and, and managing uh, the team that you have. I think from there, uh, this this latest, which took me eight years to get to, this latest form of leverage that I've been able to um, unlock is is financial leverage. Uh, we didn't have a really other than credit cards, uh, uh, you know, a dollar of of debt until uh, closing this lead pages acquisition, and now I see the immense leverage that comes from a product like debt, having, uh, you know, capital available uh, above and beyond cash flow to um, finance growth, you know, growth that you wouldn't have gotten uh, just organically. Um, so I th- I'd say, you know, much of my journey has been about understanding leverages at, uh, at certain points in the road. Yeah, no, that's tremendous. Was there a turning point for you when you kind of like, to make a decision to grow like you have, like, I, I think like for, to, to frame it for you, maybe we deal with like a lot of like smaller, you know, businesses, a lot of development companies throughout the province. And a lot of people are just kind of happy with where they are, or there's like a very kind of linear path for growth. Was it, did you, from the get-go, did you have the ambition to be kind of where you're at and to, you know, I assume there's a lot more growth planned. Um, was there a pivot point or was it always kind of part of the plan to, to grow the way that you are? I think, I think part of it, part of it, you know, our origin story uh, at Redbrick was, was, was really, you know, starting out providing marketing services. So by that very nature, we were working with a lot of companies on a lot of products to help them, them grow. And, that was really exciting to me. And I think a lot of the people that I attracted in the early days, because, you know, you're moving from thing to thing, you're understanding different people's uh, businesses, the nuances of their product. It's just being curious people. It's really interesting and it's a lot of fun. Um, And it took years before I realized as fun as that is, um, you know, an agency can often not be a, a fantastic business to own. Um, there's a lot of stress that comes from the ups and downs. Your predictability on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis is, is difficult. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 I was seeking something a bit more uh, stable and, uh, you know, predictable and repeatable. And so that's what, you know, kind of forced us from services and into starting to build some of our own uh, products and, and, and businesses to go after our own customer base, you know, recurring revenue, things that would, would make us a lot um, more stable as a, as a company um, and as a business. And I think, I think those that, you know, the early team and the early me um, wanting to, to have a, a number of different uh, customers with products and kind of be moving in between things is that entrepreneurial builder curiosity uh, mindset. And so I think that's, that's translated um, into like from customers into companies 
and, and, and now we have different companies to move between and support as an executive and a shared service function at, at Redbrick. So I think we're going to keep um, we're going to keep uh, building and acquiring companies, uh, uh, you know, not only uh, to, you know, to, to increase share, shareholder value, but just to continue to be happy and excited about what we're doing on a daily basis. Okay. That's great. Thank you very much for sharing that. The, um, that's kind of what I've got for you in terms of questions about your business. I finished these interviews with three uh, quick questions. Um, one of them, the first one is, how do you handle personal development? So it could be kind of books, you know, podcasts, are you part of mastermind groups, um, you know, professional development approach? Yeah. Um, so I, I was a member of the entrepreneurs organization uh, at the Victoria chapter here for about four years. And um, that, that was a really amazing resource to be in a, uh, a, a group of other business leaders and, and, and owners in a, in a hyper um, kind of intimate and confidential setting to be able to talk about your business, uh, you know, your family and yourself uh, personally and reflect, uh, you know, amongst a group and, and receive, um, you know, some guidance from people that maybe have been through similar issues or, or have things to share, you know, feedback. Um, it, it, uh, it unfortunately uh, became, too much of a commitment and you really have to be committed to something like that or it doesn't doesn't work uh too much of a commitment as we started to have kids and having three three fairly young boys uh now it, it was too much time and so unfortunately it couldn't continue with with eo but but since then you know re read a lot um and uh, a lot a lot on the internet um uh as as well as um, biographies, um, you know, Steve Jobs, Warren Buffett, you know, things, things like that. And just, not, you know, not, not because I think these individuals are amazing, but I think they're because there are certain things that I can learn from and, and take from. Um, and that's, that's been a good approach. And then uh, also podcasts, podcasts are great. Awesome. Thank you. Um, the best advice that you have received. I don't know if it's the best advice, but for whatever reason, it just popped in into my head. But my dad once said, uh, you never go broke taking a profit. And I think he, I think he was, you know, really referring to, you know, maybe some issue that I was, I was thinking, thinking through at the time. Uh, and I, and I think about that all the time. Like, you know, do you optimize more? Do you grow more? Maybe, maybe not, but you need to make sure you're profitable uh, and, and, and profitable to a good degree because profit brings optionality. It brings flexibility um, and, and, and choice, especially being, you know, still a small, medium-sized uh, business with, you know, tightly controlled uh, shareholder base. You really, you know, we could do what we want. And as long as we're profit, we get that luxury. So um, I think that's, uh, that's, you never go broke taking a profit. Thanks, dad. <laughs> Tremendous. The last one I got for you, favorite restaurant uh, in the capital region? Uh, well, I'm going to go with, with two. Um, definitely hat tip to Il Terrazzo. Uh, many, many great, great times at that, uh, at, at that restaurant. One of my first dates uh, with, my, with my wife there. Um, and, then, uh, and then more recently, uh, Boom and Batten has been a lot of fun uh, and, and great food, good atmosphere. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast.
If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.